0: Hey, and this is Ron
1: and this is Galena
0: and we're in the art scene. Welcome back.
1: Welcome back to our podcast.
0: We've got a great show for you today, a little bit different than our usual artist, although I don't know if there's any such thing as a usual artist, but this is a little bit different.
1: Yeah, this is one of those episodes when we're bringing someone who is not considering themselves a professional artist. Yet, he's got a great outlook and great opinion on the creativity, the creative process. And he is taking it way different from your typical artist in the way that I know it.
0: Yeah, it's a very different approach to creating, if you will. And I think we'll be spoiling it if we say anything more than that. So we invite you to sit back, relax, grab a snack and a drink and enjoy, or if you're driving, beverage in your cup holder, but enjoy this interview with someone who by day has been a surgeon.
1: Yes, he is retired doctor, OBGYN surgeon. His name is Homer Chen. He is our local San Diegan and the rest let Homer speak for himself.
0: So here we go in the art scene with Homer Chen.
1: We are talking today to Homer Chen, who is a friend of ours and, uh, an amazing painter that we have discovered accidentally. <laughs>
0: yeah, so one of the things we like to do on in the art scene is talk to people who are not necessarily artists by vocation, but artists, because they love to do it and they do it on the side and do it awesome and do it very well. And, uh, I mean, amazingly well and Homer. Uh, you are a retired doctor, uh, OBGYN, correct? Is, is that right? Correct,
2: correct. I'm, I'm probably, to be accurate, I'm probably 90% retired. I'm no longer seeing patients. I'm no longer uh, performing surgery, but I'm still doing uh, some consultant work uh, that actually takes, takes up a fair amount of my time.
0: Okay, so you have a, a busy clinical... Uh, job by day and then at other times when you're free you pour time and energy into your passion one of my passions the other, the other vice i have is tennis i play a lot of
2: tennis <laughs> and, that, and that and that actually interferes quite a bit with uh with painting <laughs> you know well after you know after playing two hours of tennis the last thing you want to do is come come home and uh, shower up and, and start painting it's, it's oh, yeah. difficult to do that
1: and probably your shoulders are sore and
2: well mentally you know it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing
1: oh
0: so you have to be in a different headspace, correct correct and and do you play tennis pretty competitively i guess there's no other way to i do um well when i was
2: uh still working full time i played maybe two three times a week and now i'm playing about five sometimes six times a week
0: so that leaves you one day a week to paint (laughs) yeah essentially is, is that enough
2: it isn't um but you know one of the things that has uh kind of decreased the amount that I'm painting is that um, I've always found in, in in the past that i i painted better and I enjoyed painting if I worked in a group um, so for uh, well since i since I kind of started painting formally um, i studied with a couple of teachers. And we would get together in groups of, you know, not huge groups, but groups of, you know, maybe um, five or eight uh, other students of varying um, experience, painting different things. You know, it wasn't a situation where I went to class and uh, the teacher pulled out a tree and said, well, let's all paint this tree. You know, we did, we kind of did our own thing. And and the teacher would go around and uh, critique. And uh, I found that it was um, I was much more motivated to paint uh, in a group in a group type setting where we kind of compared notes and critiqued each other. And, uh, you know, that was much more enjoyable. And I, I haven't found a, a, a class to continue with. Um, unfortunately, the last teacher that I had, Catherine Grawin, uh passed away from cancer a couple of years ago, and that's left a couple of us kind of, uh, you know, in a limbo, so to speak.
0: Is that how you originally learned how to paint uh, in a group setting? Is that how it started? Well, I've always,
2: you know, as a kid, I always enjoyed drawing. Um, you know, I remember spending, you know, if I wasn't playing basketball or softball, I remember spending a lot of time drawing boats and cars and uh, airplanes and things of that sort. But I never had any uh, formal training, and I've always, I've always been interested in oil painting, and uh, you know, one of the, one of my close friends uh, who you probably know, Mark Fellman, yes. who's a, a very accomplished plein air painting, um, uh, invited me, invited myself and Vicki to a student show uh, that was kind of put together by his teacher, who's who was Leela Hardy at that time. And Leela would, um, you know, put together a show of uh, maybe once or twice uh, a year kind of showcasing the paintings and the works of her students. And so Mark invited me to that. And uh, I remember going to that and saying, well, yeah, you know, I'd love to do this, you know, so I talked to Leela a little bit. and fortunately, she accepted me as a student and she was basically my first uh, teacher. I spent probably about nine years with her.
1: Wow. And that was in 2004, right?
2: 2003, 2004, something like that. And then uh, she she um, moved her studio and had a, a couple of months of a hiatus and uh, I kind of saw that as a sign to maybe look for a, another teacher, you know, I think that with anything else, whether it's uh, painting or um, sports or whatever, uh, you, you, know, you get so much out of a teacher and then after a while you should probably move on and get some different ideas.
1: I have a question. What is it about group setting that you find so motivating and fulfilling?
2: Well, I think one thing is the discipline, you know, when you, when you, uh, uh, you know, it's very simple when you uh, pay for classes and and you're, and you've kind of enrolled in a class, uh, you basically tend to show up, you know, whereas if you said to yourself, well, I'm going to, try to paint two hours a day well those two hours a day gets, gets kind of pushed around a little bit you might have some errands to run you know you, you might not feel like painting you might want to read the paper instead or read a book instead so it's kind of easier to to procrastinate
0: so to speak
1: yeah i feel you
0: i recently started taking online base lessons from a teacher who's in buenos aires of all places that's the the magic of of online these days and I don't get much time during the week to get my practice in, but you can be darn sure come Saturday morning, I'll be cramming for my Saturday afternoon base class. So it forces me to have at least some amount of discipline and get some practice in every week.
2: Oh, I, I was terrible with that. You know, I would, uh, even, with, even with classes, which uh, were uh, once a week, I remember taking three hours of classes on Saturday, you know, classes are not quite enough, as you know, you, you really have to kind of paint on your own and so i did I did that, but I, I I found that I crammed a little bit more if I had a uh, show to kind of prepare for a student show you know I would paint like madly for for weeks and weeks just to get everything get, get everything ready um, I think the other thing about classes is is that you know um i I really enjoyed the people that I painted with you know they came from all walks of life and um kind of like myself you know they they didn't start out as artists um, they may not even have considered themselves artistic you know there are people who came from the business world uh the people who are accountants um there were teachers that i met and they're all kind of good people and um you know there was not any ounce of competitiveness you know we were all kind of there to kind of uh enjoy painting and we would often uh Look at each other's paintings and say, well, you know, I like the way that you did that. I'm going to kind of try to incorporate that with my next painting. Or that was kind of a, a nice way of doing something that, that looked kind of hard to do. You know, kind of, kind of, it's kind of a um, teamwork, uh, um, in a sense, although we weren't working on the same project.
0: That, that's an interesting point, Homer, because uh, often we think about painting as an individualistic pursuit um you know self-expression and something that someone does in their studio alone for hours on end and whatnot but but this is a very different dynamic you talked about teamwork in painting um, can you talk a little bit more about that because that might be a different perspective than some of us have about this
2: well you know um you know i thought about this a little bit and a lot of people look at painting as being a uh, as being something that is creative and i've thought i've often thought about that and i said well it's not really it's not really that creative unless you're you're creating something from your mind you know what what i do and what a lot of this uh, what a lot of painters do is they paint from a scene now a scene may be a, a plein air scene it may be a photograph it may be it could be another painting but there's a reference point uh and you paint from that reference point you're not creating that reference point you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like analogous to um, people who play piano, you know, people who play piano very well. I don't necessarily consider creative, you know, I consider the people who are creative, the people who write the write the music, but to take a um, sheet music and to play it well is, is certainly admirable, you know, it takes a lot of skill. Um, but I'm not sure that I would I would consider it creative. So, so in a sense, um, just like piano playing, I think a lot of painting is, um, you know, kind of for a lack of a better term, it's it's very technical. It's problem solving. It's basically looking at something and and whether it's a picture or a or a plein air scene, looking at something and saying, well, how can I get what I see onto the canvas? in a uh, way that is pleasing to the eye and there are all sorts of techniques for that i mean you know painting uh, learning how to paint is basically learning different techniques and learning kind of the basic concepts of color and value and, and drawing and things of that sort so everybody has little tricks that they that they utilize and i think that gets back to what made it fun and what made it educational to be with other painters to kind of see how they tackled a particular problem
1: this is uh, very interesting to me personally because i have experience in both and i, I do i do enjoy my solitude in the studio and in painting I, I and i do use reference points uh, sometimes and sometimes i just use my imagination it depends on the mood uh but the sense of community that uh, you're pointing at is indeed very important even if it's just some people online or some other friends painters who i know are you know giving support or giving critique or we're just uh, chit-chatting and discussing new ideas or new um, techniques and and uh, you know other things, that's that's really uh, rewarding and supporting in the way. And uh, another thing uh, that was interesting to me and what you're saying is that this is more about the skill and solving uh, problems for you than a creative outlet. So, I kind of always like to think that uh, whatever creative outlet you're having, whether it's painting or any other craft or arts is more about switching from the left brain to the right brain and kind of, you know, let yourself play and experiment and do other things. For you, it seems to be more of the left brain activity because that's about skill and learning and uh, uh, catching some techniques that other people use and, and really solving the problem, which for you is a visual puzzle pretty much, putting something aesthetically pleasing on the canvas using the reference points and techniques that you have learned. Is that
2: yeah, I, I, I think that there's a little bit, um, I think for the most part, that's true. Uh, I think as I've kind of developed um, as, a, as a painter, uh, I've kind of, um, allowed myself to, to infuse a little bit more creativity. I'll, I'll change scenes, for example, you know, uh, I'll say, well, this doesn't look quite right here. So I'll, I'll kind of, uh, get rid of it and move it over here. Or maybe I'll see two photos and I'll say, well, those two photos would go together pretty well, you know, it'd be nice and kind of put together, uh, this person on the beach with this person, they may be from different photographs, but I can kind of do that. But, um, I think when I first started painting, uh, I was kind of tied to the left brain. Um, You know, as I said earlier, painting for me was, I looked at it as being problem solving. And uh, I used to do, when I was working, uh, my passion was basically surgery. And surgery is very kind of problem solving as well. You know, how do I get this tumor out without damaging... You know an adjacent organ you know things of that sort so it's very kind of goal oriented and kind of very technical um, you can't really be well you can you can be innovative but you can't really allow yourself to be too creative when you're doing surgery you know you can't basically so oh well, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try this you know this technique that's never been tried before and i'm going to experiment on
0: this patient Well, you really can't
2: do that you
1: know so well we're glad that you didn't do that <laughs> all
0: right, right. The paint canvas is a much safer place to do that yeah I'm yeah. wondering Homer if um, tennis shares anything in common with that. I mean that's a technical proficiency exercise as well it it does it does. There are many
2: people who play recreational tennis and and i don't I don't play in tournaments or things of that sort, but I'm very analytical when it comes to technique. Um, I look at my technique and i I compare my technique with with pros and there are all sorts of you know there are all sorts of youtube videos nowadays and there are all sorts of online tennis instruction websites that you can look at and uh you know uh very much like my painting i think that uh, even though i'm you know i'm not a, a youngster anymore i think that i've uh improved with my tennis you know i'm a better player now than i was uh, 10 years ago
0: well i i can attest as someone who's getting on in years as well that um technical proficiency, uh, can make up a lot for, um, you know, athleticism or as, as your athletic abilities change, the, the ability to be more efficient and more strategic with your playing or your painting or whatever you do more than makes up for what someone can do with pure athleticism alone. Well, there's a, there's this other saying that, uh, that I have with, that we often kind of, uh,
2: verbalized on a tennis court and that is it's often better to be lucky than good <laughs> <laughs> but that but that but that but that doesn't apply that might apply to painting but it doesn't apply to to uh, medicine or surgery
0: yeah I, I think i've been more lucky on the tennis court than good myself but um and, and i won't <laughs> be playing you anytime soon but i'm i'm wondering homer if uh you know now that you've been painting for a while and and you and you geeked out on the technical, which I can relate to as well. I do that with, with bass guitar playing and all the YouTube videos I watch. I'm wondering if you do sometimes just fully want to just be creative and let the technique go and express from your mind. Does that, does that occur, and, and what does that feel like if it does?
2: It probably doesn't occur as much as I would like to for it to occur. I don't think I would do very well if someone said, well, I'd I like for you to kind of switch from your the type of painting that you do, which I consider to be very traditional. And I like for you to do abstract painting. And I'd like for you to kind of paint from your head uh, or from your mind rather than painting from a from a reference. I think I would probably be lost at that, you know. So that that's that's just me. I think that uh, I might actually become a, a better painter if I allowed myself to do that or force myself to do that. You know, I was once told and I think it's true. I was once told that a good painter can paint in different styles depending on what he and she wanted to do. Uh, so, so a good painter can paint very tightly and uh, paint in such a way that the that the art is almost photographic. And that same painter can just by flipping a switch paint more uh, abstractly. But I'm I'm not able I'm not able to do that yet. The
0: key word being yet, or or ever. <laughs>
1: Well, I would argue that if you don't have any desire to do that, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: No, I I agree.
2: I agree. I mean, I, I paint for my enjoyment. I don't paint to kind of show people, hey, this is this is what I can do. I don't feel the need to kind of expand kind of what I do. I think I have enough challenges kind of painting what I like to paint and what I enjoy painting.
1: And your paintings are beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the uh, they do have that fleur of a very traditional oil painting, the still life and uh, the beach scenes are, uh, you know, they're all cute. But you do definitely have your own style. I mean, it's, it's very recognizable. The way you are putting the colors together, it's a, uh, especially your still life, very bold colors, and at the same time, very fine strokes. I, I was studying the photographs that you sent us, and and I barely could find any brush strokes. It's so so smooth,
2: well, I think that, yeah, that's I don't think that's necessarily good.
1: Um, I don't think it's good or bad. it's 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 who you are as a painter,
2: yeah, it I, I think my style has changed a little bit. You know, if you look at the uh, blog spot, and I you know I don't have a website. so but if you look at the blog spot, the the paintings kind of go uh, chronologically. So, the paintings at the end are are the earlier paintings, and paintings in the beginning are the uh, the more recent ones. And I used to be, I mean, I still am to a degree, but I used to be very tight. Um so if you look at some of the older paintings, there were a lot of kind of straight, distinct lines. And I've tried to kind of get away from that. You know the you know one of my teachers said that uh, said at one point that I had eagle eyes. Um, And what she meant by that was that I had a keen sense of observation, but that's not, that wasn't necessarily a compliment. You know, you would normally think, well, shoot, she's complimenting me. it wasn't said in a complimentary way. Uh, I think it's fine to, to be able to see detail, but I think that as a good painter, you have to have some restraint and keep yourself from painting every single thing that you see. No, you've got, you've got to leave some of the detail out and uh, you've got to let the viewer of the painting kind of fill in the blanks you know for example if you if you were to uh, paint a tree you know you don't want to paint each individual leaf that's not a you know a painterly type of effort instead you, you want to paint shapes so when you look at paintings that are done by you know very famous and very accomplished landscape painters when you look at their trees you don't see leaves, you see basically shapes, you see blocks. And uh, those blocks don't really exist in nature, but they really work. And they work because you're allowing the viewer to kind of fill in the details. You're not, you're not painting every single little detail. You're allowing some interpretation uh, on the part of the viewer. You know, one of the tricks that, uh, and Galena, you probably know this too, but one of the tricks that all of my teachers have mentioned is that when you look at your uh, reference point, To paint uh, you should squint instead of looking at it with open eyes you squint and by squinting you basically uh, force yourself to not see all of the uh, all of the details
1: yeah yeah you blur and um, your vision a little bit and kind of see more of the generic shapes and that's what you want to reference yeah exactly exactly another good trick and maybe you want to try it as could be a good challenge for you creatively. Try to flip your reference photo upside down and paint it, paint it this way. Oh,
2: I've I've often done that. Oh, you have? Uh, yeah, that actually works very well. I don't do that all the time. I do that when I paint figures. Because with figures, um, your your mind and your preconceptions, sometimes get get in the way, you know, you see a head and you say, Well, this head is above the neck, and it should be so big. So I'm going to paint around head. Well, you know that head may not be round; it may not sit exactly where you envision it sitting so a lot of figures um if i do a figure painting lots of times i will um i will paint upside
0: down and that that works incredibly well
1: that's very interesting
0: now do you switching gears here a little bit do you uh sell any of your art is is there any monetary piece to your passion uh, uh very little
2: um i have uh you know when i was was taking um classes with leela she would uh, as i mentioned earlier she would put together a show kind of showcasing her students paintings and and they would be for sale and uh she would have that once a, maybe once a year or maybe once every two years Um, So during the time that I was with her, which was probably a good nine, 10 years, I probably participated in a a number of uh, student shows and I would sell paintings. And I've also uh, participated in just two art walks. You you probably know about art walks. There's one, that the the original one started in Little Italy, and then they've expanded to uh, Liberty Station. Mm -hmm. So I've done, I've done that twice uh, and sold paintings there. Uh, I've had friends buy paintings. I've had people, um, friends of mine or friends of friends, uh, ask me to do commission work. So I've done that a couple of times. But I don't, uh, you know, maybe it's kind of because I'm too lazy, but I don't have a website. So I don't, I don't really promote myself and I don't really see it as a, as a, as a business
1: about your teachers and specifically about critiques, because you referenced, you mentioned a few times how teachers approach uh, the students and uh, make comments that are not necessarily complimentary, but they, you know, a form of critique that is supposed to make you a better painter. So what is your take on all of that? How, how do you deal with critiques? What kind of experience did you have with uh, teacher's critique? Because I know that uh, depending on the teacher and the student, sometimes it can be really hard uh, uh, and discouraging, and some other teachers can make it uh, the opposite, very encouraging experience. Uh, so what, what's your take on that whole concept and your personal experience with uh, teaching critiques that you received?
2: Well, you know, personally, I, I really enjoyed uh, teachers who were supportive but also critical and also uh, teachers who didn't really mince words uh, in terms of critiquing uh, your paintings. You know, it, it it doesn't seem to me that it would be very helpful for someone to come by and basically say, "Well, you, you know, you're doing great. You know, I, I love what you're doing. You're doing great. I've got nothing to add." You know, that doesn't really kind of advance you as a painter. Um, and different teachers, I've found, and I've I've worked with, uh, well, two two for a long period of time, and then one for a short period of time. Different teachers have different approaches. They also have different um, uh, different um, techniques and different preferences. Uh, for example, Leela Hardy, who I spent uh, again, my first teacher who I spent a good 10 years with, was a real uh, proponent of getting the canvas covered. She was used to always say that, you know, she she'd always say, well, you know, I want you to in the in the first hour or two, get all the paint on the on the canvas and then go back and correct it later on, you know. The most important thing is get everything on the paintings, get everything on the canvas so you can see the proportions and kind of see where things sit. So she was a real, uh, a real proponent of that. Uh, my second teacher, Catherine uh, Grauman, I spent about five years with her. She was a real, um, I guess, colorist. She would emphasize harmony in color. And that was really helpful for me. You know, she, she basically was of the mindset that you should try to mix as many colors as you can with as few colors out of the tube as you can. So instead of using 20 tubes of, of paint uh, with different colors, maybe use 10. And if you have to get to a color that uh, is not in a tube, mix it rather than trying to find it at the store. And that made for a much more harmonious painting she was also a and and i i really appreciated this she was also a um a real strong proponent of using your finger uh, for painting and that was when i st- started work studying with her it was the first time i I started wearing gloves to paint you know before i, ne- I never did because it got in the way I, I thought they were not necessary but she was a real real proponent of using your finger to kind of blur the lines and make paintings a little bit more painterly, you know, that's a, a, a term that i kind of learned in my course of taking classes, uh, make the lines a little bit more painterly, make them more blurred. And then the last teacher I, I painted with, uh, Jeff Yeomans, who is a professional painter locally, was a real proponent of using grids. Uh, he painted a lot of figures. So he would uh, teach using grids to, to kind of break the painting into separate blocks and kind of concentrating on those blocks. And that was very helpful when it came to figures, because with figures, the angle of anything, the angle of the body, the hand, the the arms, was so critical that if you didn't use grids, you were, or at least I, was more likely to, at the end of the painting, say, well, you know, that, that arm is not quite right. But those two figures are not as close together as they should be. And then, of course, at that time, by that time, it's too late to go back and change things. So different different teachers have different kind of um, techniques that they like to use a lot of I think a lot of it reflects on the type of painting that they once did um, or still do. Uh, but to get back to your question galena i I have always um, gotten more from teachers who were um, critical, not critical in a mean way, but basically kind of looking at your painting and and really breaking it apart and saying, well, you know, I would have done this a little bit differently. Or next time, why don't you try doing this a little a little bit, a little bit differently and do this instead? And, you know, I, I learned a lot from that.
0: So I, I have one comment about what you just said, Homer, and then a final question for me. Uh, and I, I really like what you said about your first uh, instructor encouraging you to just get everything on the canvas and cover the canvas first, and then refine from there. Uh, I recently heard about um, writer's block and uh, this person was saying that there's no such thing as writer's block. It's just a fear of getting started and basically just write, just put a whole bunch of stuff onto the page, write it all out and then start to refine from there. And, and I tried using that mindset and I found it to be a lot easier and a lot less daunting when I thought that way. Just, just right. spit it all out, just vomit it on the page and then start to clean it up. And then you don't have to worry about trying to come up with the perfect pros uh, at every step.
2: Right, right. Well, I, I had a hard time with that in the beginning. Uh, and I think that um, that difficulty came from, uh, from my profession. Leela once said to me, and I think it's so true Leela said to me once that um, there's only one profession that is harder to teach how to paint than doctors, and that is engineers. Yeah. You know, engineers. Engineers want to get every line straight. They'll get a protractor out and they'll get every angle straight. But doctors are not far behind. And, uh, and I, I think that, um, you know, that, that, that was something that I had to get over. You know, unfortunately, I think that when you go from medicine to, doc, to, to painting, your expectations are a little bit different. I think they're unreasonably higher than they should be when you paint. You know when i when i first started painting i was i was kind of uh, i would be disappointed if not every single painting turned out the way that it that i wanted it to to turn out you know i think that realistically i haven't read this anywhere but i think realistically if you were a painter and one painting out of every five or six was successful i think you would consider yourself to be a pretty good painter you know but in medicine that doesn't really apply i mean if if, if I were doing surgery on six patients and only one of them got through surgery without any complications, I'd be a pretty terrible surgeon, you know. But, uh, but I had to get I had to kind of get uh, uh, get past that, you know, uh, get past that pressure that every single painting had to turn out perfect and had to be um, a good enough painting to put on a website or a good enough painting to bring to a show or a good enough painting to, to sign and put in a frame.
0: I think that's a nice segue into my final question, which is what, what advice would you have for someone who is thinking about starting to paint, thinks that this might be something they'll really enjoy, but they haven't gone through the, the journey yet and they're thinking about getting into it. What, what advice would you have for that person to get started?
2: Well, I, I would say that uh, I would encourage anyone who uh, was thinking about doing something like this to go ahead and do it. Kind of like what you said about, uh, about writing, just kind of throw yourself into it. I think that there's probably a lot more artistic ability that we all have uh, than we than think. I think it's, it's very critical to find a, a good teacher to start off with. Students don't have to stick with a particular teacher forever and ever, and students can, certainly, can eventually kind of branch out on their own. But I think to kind of get the basic concepts of, you know, what values mean, what colors mean, what shapes mean, and kind of how to put together a painting is is probably the, the most important thing. And then I would say that the other thing that I would uh, advise someone trying to get into this is not to have... Real high expectations in the beginning, and to learn how to end a painting—that's you know, a—that's kind of a difficult thing to do. Uh, I think I, I wrote to Galina that some of my paintings. Uh, she she asked me last night uh, which which ones of my paintings in the blog spot were newer, and my response was that the the, the earlier ones—I mean the the first ones that you see—are newer, but there are some that that I painted maybe years ago that I would kind of pick at, you know, what kind of refine or or come back and tweak. And that's, um, that, that's not necessarily a good thing to do. Uh, you, you can overwork a painting and make it less spontaneous than it should be. And it makes it, it doesn't make it a better painting to continue to do that. So um, I would say to, you know, to, to someone trying to get into this, uh, I would encourage them to do it. I would encourage them to find a good teacher. I would encourage them to not be overly critical and not have a high expectations and finish a painting, put
0: it away, start off with a new painting.
1: That's a great advice. That's
0: great advice. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. We've covered a lot of incredible ground. I really love the comparisons between being a doctor and being a tennis player and being an artist and how you come at it from a problem solving perspective. The, this gave me a whole lot of new ways to think about yeah. the process of painting. It was very interesting. And your, and your work is beautiful, Homer. We were oh, thanks. amazed at, at the sheer body of work that we were scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And, and it was hard to scroll because each one, you just wanted to stop and stare at it. I loved how you had backgrounds in soft focus like you would see in an actual photograph, for instance. And yet, it, like you say, I mean, there was a lot of, of painterliness to the paintings. It, the, nothing was, was super sharply defined. And and that made it really interesting to look at. I, I really enjoyed looking at your yeah. painting.
1: I was so drawn to your metallic surfaces and your reflective surfaces. That's just amazing.
2: Well, that was one of the first things that got me interested. You know, I would I would basically remember going to uh, museums with with Vicky and kind of seeing a painting of uh, a glass of water, or a glass of wine, or or maybe some um, metallic base. And I would kind of wonder. I would say to myself, how, did, "How does a painter actually do that?" You know, and as it is, it, it, as it turns out, it's not that hard to do. You know, there are, mu- there are other things that are much more challenging than painting a, a glass of water or glass of wine.
0: We want to thank you for being on our show. This was wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Good to see both of you guys. Likewise. Likewise. We look forward to seeing more of your art very soon. Yes. Okay.
1: I don't know what to say. I actually don't know where to start.
0: Well, I I can help. Okay. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, his approach to art being more of a technical activity, a more of a problem solving task as opposed to purely creative, emotional process, different, but very common, you know, way to look at creating art.
1: Yeah, well, there's something else stood out to me as well that he's actually talking about trying to overcome his professional perfectionism and try to get looser so to me it sounded like he is looking for himself on that path to the quote unquote real creativity the way he puts it when you can actually paint from your own mind without having a reference point point. and yeah i i cannot disagree that painting techniques are skills like any other skills that you can train and you can be a very decent painter But I also think that you have to have something within you to represent even the subject uh, from your reference point in a certain way that it will speak to the viewer. And Homer definitely has that.
0: His approach when he's doing it, he's very consciously thinking about the technical aspect and the problem solving aspect of it. But the result is a very creative and beautiful body of work, which you will definitely enjoy seeing. We'll have links to it from our website. We have a blog post coming as well.
1: Yes, there will be an adjacent blog post and a link to Homer's portfolio. I totally think that he needs to stop playing tennis and devote himself to art. That's that's my professional opinion.
0: Well, he apparently is a darn good tennis player. I wouldn't want to take that away from him. So, uh, you know, the there's the genius of the and versus the tyranny of the or. And so why can't he do both? make sure you share this podcast with your friends we're young but we're mighty and we want to grow this thing like a weed the more people that appreciate art whether you're an artist or your friend's an artist or you just love art this podcast is for you
1: we really need your support and we appreciate everyone who's listening we do it for you guys
0: yep so visit us at intheartscene.com it's spelled exactly how it sounds Make sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook and...
1: Oh, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Pinterest.
0: We're all over the place. Share us, like us in your podcast player of choice. And we will see you in in the the art scene. scene.